What's going on? Welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope everyone had a great weekend as the Pelicans been in another week in searching for a win, riding a six-game losing streak, unfortunately. But the good news is they'll wrap up their long four-game, seven-day West Coast trip tonight. Not really on the West Coast, but in Dallas as they take on the Mavericks. Jim Eikenhofer joins me as usual from Pelicans.com. And joining us from Dallas today is Will Guillory, who covers the Pelicans and the NBA for the athletic well we were just talking about this usually i see some shoes and a jersey behind you but today it's a hotel room so greetings from dallas how are you i know man it's definitely weird not having my usual decorum behind me but you know i'm happy to be back on the road that's what i'm telling everybody you know after last year those depressing zoom sessions i'm just happy to be on the road seeing a different city seeing some different arenas so i'm happy we're just getting close to, to some type of normalcy even though I'm missing my guy Jimmy out here, it ain't the same without Jimmy on the road with us. Hopefully, we can fix that soon. But uh, yeah, other than that, everything's been great so far. Absolutely, you might have to start traveling with your shoes and a jersey. You know, with these Zoom interviews on the road, just in case. Have you thought about that? Kind of have like a little bit of a background. Yeah, maybe I'll just get the backdrop like the team has with the, yeah. the Pelicans logos. I just had all the logos of the different shoes. Maybe it, we'll, we'll figure something out. I got to get right out. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm getting used to being back on the road, so I'm figuring this thing out on the fly. Hey, absolutely. No no big deal at all. Will, you were at practice yesterday as the team was practicing at SMU in preparation for tonight's game. With a team on you know, a tough stretch like it is, one and nine, um, what's the vibe like? Even when you're in there uh, speaking with coach, speaking with the media, what, what was the vibe like in there? Uh, so far right now, even though the team is going through such a rough patch? Yeah, I mean, those guys are trying to remain positive, and I think a big force behind that is Willie Green. We've said it multiple times. That guy, you know, he he's, has a way of just lifting people up around him, and I think during a stretch like that, this this is really important, you know, for this team to have a guy who, you know, uh, of course he got into him after that Golden State game. You know, that was their worst game of the season, hands down. But he's been doing his best to kind of let those guys know, hey, we've got a big picture in mind. We still got number 14 coming back. We still got number one coming back at some point. So if we put these principles in place, if we have some type of foundation in place, once those guys are back, things will be a little bit easier. But, you know, it's hard when those losses keep piling up and these bad performances keep coming to keep those guys in those good spirits. But I think Willie Green has done a pretty decent job so far. Uh, but they just got to start winning games. You know, that's the only way you can really make everybody happier and make them feel better about what's going on. You got to get some better results. And that's what they're hoping to do tonight in Dallas. I feel like Friday night was a little bit of an outlier as far as uh, the way they lost, you know, losing by 41 points. What we've seen in these games is they've been play- playing pretty solid basketball for whether it's two or three quarters in that fourth quarter, whether it's in clutch time or just the fourth quarter overall, so where things kind of unraveled. Uh, was it just a product of the team they were playing on Friday night, or was this team playing kind of uncharacteristic of what at least they've been doing as far as for most of the game, even during this losing streak? Yeah, I think the one thing that we've said a lot with this team, even during some of their rough patches, is that they've been really good defensively. They've played together. They've stayed together. And that's something we heard from multiple people after that Warriors game. It felt like they just kind of came apart. And that's something that they really haven't done so far this season. So I think that was really surprising for Willie Green. Uh, But I think the big thing is just, you know, these games are starting to pile up and you're losing guys even beyond B.I. and Zion. They lost uh, Herb Jones, you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker took a hit, you know, during that game. It's just these minutes are piling up and these guys who are not used to playing these roles, they're being asked to do a lot. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas 
is a guy I've said this a lot. You know, he's never played more than 30 minutes a game his entire career. And now all of a sudden he's in New Orleans and they're like, hey, we need you to score 25 just to give us a chance. <laughs> you know, this is a lot to put on these guys. Devontae Graham's another guy. They need him to score to win. Um, they kill Alexander Walker going through one of the biggest struggles of his career. And they're like, hey, we need you to play 30 minutes, even if you're not playing well, just because they don't have a whole lot of other options. So uh, these guys are playing a, a lot of minutes, big roles. And unfortunately, they, they got to figure out how to make this thing work as is, because it's hard to tell, you know, when they're going to have all their horses back. Before I get to Jim, one more real quick before I head to Jim. You know, we talk about, we've seen this from other teams as far as when you lose your two big stars, it's hard to really close out games or, or get the job done. We saw it a couple of days ago in Los Angeles. No LeBron James, Anthony Davis left the game. The Lakers have lost to the Thunder now twice uh, overall this season. And I know people will still make it as if I'm making excuses for this team, but I think Will, and in every instance, no matter which two stars you talk about on either team, if they are out for a particular game or for the Pelicans, a stretch of games, uh, you lose a bulk of your production. How just difficult is it for this team to to try to win these games without their two main guys who they rely on so much? Yeah, no question. And especially because those guys are so potent offensively and you build this whole system around those two guys, especially when you bring in you know, a guy like Devontae Graham and you say, hey, Zion dominates the paint so much. We need a guy who can make threes on a consistent basis. And that's why you bring in Devontae Graham. But with no Zion there, all of a sudden you're telling Devontae Graham, hey, you got to get your shots out of pick and roll. You got to do it more in isolation instead of just doing those catch and shoots that, that you were brought here to do. I think Brandon Ingram's another guy who's so good at creating off the dribble. They were doing a lot creating with him off the ball to get guys open looks. And, and those just opportunities just aren't there. Like I said, it's a lot on Jonas Valanciunas right now to create opportunities for his teammates. So I think those guys <clears throat> aren't necessarily in the roles that they, they expected to be coming into the season. Uh, but I, I've written this before. I think the big question for this team is they need more out of these young chips that, that are supposed to be the core pieces of this team. When you look at Alexander Walker, Jackson Hayes, Kyra Lewis, these guys who were high draft picks, you know, had high expectations coming to the year. They just haven't been what the team hoped that they would be up to this point. And now they're still young, it's still a long season. But I think you need more production out of your young core pieces because, uh, of course, Zion and B.I. are important, but they can't be the end-all, be-all for this team. You need your other guys to step up. And, you know, they just haven't really done it enough up to this point. So I think that's the question moving forward is uh, if you've got this young core in place that you're going to build around Zion, they've got to be able to step up in moments when he's not there. And they just haven't been, uh, you know, those guys up to this point. You know, Will, to your point, I think – people objectively, maybe from the outside, there's, I, I think under these circumstances, I definitely don't think that anyone thought that the Pelicans were going to be tearing up the league and be nine and one right now, but certainly you will want to avoid being one and nine the way that they are. Um, you, you alluded to this earlier, but I mean, we, and we can make excuses all day about why things have gone the way they have so far, but um, how much of the problems that you've seen, even from some of the players, certain guys individually that are off to bad starts is because, I mean, you spend all of training camp or all of the offseason expecting, you know, the lineups to be a certain way, this guy to be the third out, the third score, the fourth score, and all of a sudden now he's the first score. Um, it just seems like across the board you're asking different guys to be in, in roles that they probably never expected to be in. I mean, how much of that do you think is, is even contributing to the way that some of the even the younger guys have started this season? 
Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, Zion was one thing because they came into the season knowing he wasn't going to be there, knowing he probably wasn't going to be there for a while. But with Brandon Ingram, they kind of lost him midstream, you know, through this thing. So it's a, it's a, we're kind of refiguring out where the roles are, who, where shots should be going. And I think that's been a, a issue is kind of figuring out who should be those top options without Zion and be out there. And I think you've seen Nikhil Alexander-Walker kind of taking maybe more shots than he should just because he feels like the offense has got to come from somewhere, right? And then there's been stretches where, you know, I've asked Willie Green after games, hey, do you think you should have gotten Jonas Valanciunas more touches here? Maybe you could have slowed the offense down. And I think he said multiple times, hey, we're trying to figure this thing out. You know, it's so new for us, you know, without Zion and B.I. there. So I think they're trying to figure this thing out without their best players. And again, they're a very young team. So those lessons kind of come slower than maybe you'll see with other places. So yeah, I think, you know, it's been difficult for them just to figure out where where to find offense, you know, where how to, a hierarchy should go within their half court offense. And I think that's what you've seen in some of these games where they're in it for most of the way. And then they'll have just like this four or five minute stretch where the offense just kind of crumbles and they're all kind of looking around like, I don't know what to do. And I think, you know, some of that falls on them because you should be able to figure it out at some point because, uh, you know, B.I. is now up to four games now. So I think at some point you should be able to kind of figure out for one or two games and, and get it on track. Uh, but I think it's tough just because those guys, you know, are out of position, are out of in, in different roles. And I think it's going to be a lot on Willie Green just to help these guys along the way. Just because, you know, it's hard to tell when those guys are going to be back and fully healthy seems like the defense has been okay when it's had a chance to kind of settle in and it's not running back and trying to make up for, you know, three on twos or what two on ones off of turnovers. Um, but I think offensively, if you look at even some of the numbers in the shooting stats that are, are low, I mean, is there some, you know, optimism, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but a sense that um, you get Zion and Ingram back and you're going to see an increase in the efficiency almost no matter what, that some of the guys that, you know, you mentioned Nikhil, I know Kyra is off to a really poor start as far as three-point shooting, that some of these guys, I think it's, you would hope inevitably will will shoot better when you have maybe more open shots and not having to be in the situation that they've been in so far. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, with Zion, we know how dominant he can be on the offensive end and how much attention he draws uh, I think another guy we would throw out there is probably Trey Murphy, right, who, who came in expecting to get a whole lot of wide open threes and they just haven't been available because Zion's not there drawing those double teams. So I think their hope is that when Zion comes back, it'll make life easier for a lot of those guys. Uh, but again, we, we're not really sure what Zion's going to look like when he comes back, how long it's going to take for him to get back to that all-star level, that 27 per game guy we saw last year. Uh, so, again, I think it's going to be on these guys to kind of figure it out on their own and understand how to get shots for themselves and be more efficient in what they're doing. And I think Nikhil is a guy who's been taking a lot of shots from the fan base. And, you know, he's really struggled. But I think part of the, the issue is that he's still figuring out when to be aggressive, when to take a step back. And I, I think that process has been kind of slow for him, and he should be a little bit better. But, uh, again, uh, it's tough just because they're not sure where to find that offense from. And I think – at the very least, getting B.I. back relatively soon, uh, I think should help. And I think he's a guy, when he's going, it makes life easier for everybody else. But there's no doubt uh, these guys were coming in expecting to get wide open shots mm -hmm. because those were available last year with Zion. And they're just not there uh, this year. So it's really tough. But you can see, you know, when this roster is healthy, what it could look like, especially with a guy like JV, how well he's playing. And you think, 
you know, when everything's right, this guy should be the third option on this team. And he's been incredible. I mean, Willie Green said the other night that he's playing at an all-star level, you know, without those two guys there. And I think he should really be your third leading scorer. So I think sure. uh, when they're healthy, they have the pieces to be really good offensively. Uh, I just think they need those guys in the game and they just need a better understanding of how to play together. Um, last couple of things for me, I wanted to kind of end on more of a upbeat note based on how things have gone so far. I mean, you just mentioned Jonas. I mean, we, we got to see him a good amount playing against him with the Grizzlies the last couple of years. And I mean, for people that watch the NBA a ton, we had some feeling of what he was going to be like, but um, compared to what you expected from him and what he's done, I mean, what would have been your impressions and takeaways from him for the first few weeks of the season? Yeah, it's just really impressive to see a big guy who who has, uh, going back to what we were saying, how a lot of these guys don't really understand how to get their offense or where to get their offense from. JV's the exact opposite. That, that guy knows who he is as a basketball player, knows where to get his shots. And remember, this is a guy who started the season with a 3 or 19 performance in that game against yeah. Philly in a season opener. And we're 10 games in, he's already back over 50% from the field. You know, his free throw shooting is up there. He's over 50% from the three-point line. I think that's been a big thing is just how much his jumper has been falling as of late, which is kind of a surprise because we think of him as this big bruiser, old school big man shooting hook shots. But his jumper has been falling like crazy, you know, ever since he's taken on this bigger role. So, yeah, I think he deserves a lot of credit for the way he's been kind of carrying this offense uh, in half court sets when he really wasn't expecting to be that guy. And he really wasn't that guy last year in Memphis either. Uh, so I, I think he's been really impressive so far and just how, again, understanding how to get himself going and fitting around some of these other guards where it's much different, right? Playing with a John Morant where, you know, you'll get four or five baskets a game where John Morant just hands you the ball under the basket. All you got to do is lay it up. And, and, you know, he's not getting that with Devontae Graham and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So it's more of him doing it on his own and he's still doing it at a very efficient level. So I think he's been really impressive, but again, it's a lot on him because he's just not used to playing this many minutes. He's not used to taking this many shots. So I think it's going to be tough for him if this continues to be the case going forward, but you got to give him credit for the way he's performed up to this point. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it well in terms of, I think we saw a lot with him with, with Memphis where he, I would describe him as, you know, he's a really good low post score, but he was also very opportunistic there where he would be able to get tip-ins and, and putbacks and stuff like that from the, attention being drawn by other guys. So I think one of the things that I've been a little bit surprised by and just impressed by with him is like you said, just being able to do stuff on his own and just kind of carry, have to carry so much of a, of a burden here. Um, Last guy I wanted to ask you about um, Herb Jones. I mean, the guy gets picked in the second round. I think people that people around the team that saw him maybe at voluntary workouts and then in preseason in, in terms of, you know, practices and scrimmages, had high hopes for him, but I mean, it seems like he's exceeded what you can reasonably expect from anybody. What, what do you think, you know, based on his, when, where he was picked in the draft and that kind of thing, what do you think is his, um, his future or his ceiling as a player, especially if he, you know, keeps working on his, his jump shot and gets that to the point where he can knock those down. Yeah, I mean, there's no question, you know, Herb has been the, the, the number one bright spot on this team just because it's so shocking to see how, how much of a role he's been able to take on this early in his career. And the poor dude, I mean, you know, he, he takes on his bigger role. Everybody's loving on some Herb Jones. We're asked to the bottom after every game. And then in Phoenix, he takes an elbow to the face from JV. <laughs> he finally clears concussion protocol. 
and then he's working to come back and somebody steps on his ankle pregame in Golden State, so he has to miss that game. Uh, I, I just hope he can, you know, avoid an injury tonight. He doesn't slip on a banana peel or something in pregame so he can finally play in this game in Dallas. Uh, but, yeah, I think the guy, it's incredible to see what he's been able to do because I, I was talking to a coach yesterday because I'm, I'm glad you asked it because I have a feature coming on her Jones coming soon at theathletic.com. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, a coach was telling me, man, usually with rookies coming in, you expect them to have some type of transition as far as, uh, defense in the NBA because it's so different from college. The spacing, the speed, the skill at every position. We see it with a guy like Trey Murphy who came in with a reputation as a defender and he's you know had some type of struggles at certain points just understanding when to be in the right spot at the right time, how to avoid getting fouls and stuff like that. And it's not like Herbert, I mean, it's not like Trey has been bad. It's just typical rookie stuff, learning how to play at this level and yeah. you just haven't seen that at all with Herb Jones. I mean, they put him on Trey, Trey Young they put him on Julius Randle. They put him on Devin Booker. And he's been able to handle all of those matchups at a really high level. And I think you can make an argument, you know, this guy's a second-round pick 10 games into his career, and he's already the best defender on this team. I think you can make the case. Uh, so I think it's really impressive. And I think the big question for him is just what is he going to look like offensively moving forward, especially once a Zion and Brandon Ingram come back into the picture. Is he a guy that's just going to stand in the corner and shoot threes? Uh, we know he's been working with Fred Vincent a lot on that jumper, uh, but I think they kind of see him as more than just that. And uh, I'll be talking about that, obviously, in my article, but I think uh, they have high hopes for what he can be long-term, not just as the, a defender, uh, but what he can be offensively as a guy who's kind of that Swiss Army knife and does a little bit of everything. So, yeah, they love them some Herb Jones uh, over there on airline, and they, they, they think he has a really bright future, which is shocking because – you know, all the love was going towards Trey Murphy coming out of summer league and preseason. We were all like, hey, I used to always make the joke, you know, future MVP Trey Murphy because of the way he was playing and putting up 20 every night. And now Herb Jones looks like the, the rookie that everybody's talking about, you know, this early part of the regular season. Absolutely. And hopefully Trey Murphy will be in that conversation, too, at some point someday. But right. <laughs> you're right. Herb Jones is definitely stealing the show right now in a good way. Um, well, hopefully he plays tonight. We don't know about him or Brandon Ingram as we tape this podcast. So before I let you go, Will, what are you looking out for tonight? Obviously, Pelicans wouldn't say must win because it's they're one and nine. Every win right now is is pretty much a, a must win at this point. But what sticks out to you about tonight's matchup against the six and three Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, obviously we're going to be looking at you know Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and those guys are able to play both questionable. Uh, going into tonight's game. And also, you know, the big thing in that Golden State game was they gave up 18 threes. That was their first time really getting lit up from the three-point line like that. And we know Luka Doncic is a master at opening up those three-pointers for his team. So how do they defend the three-point line, especially if Herb isn't out there? And, you know, obviously, how do you contain Luka Doncic? You know, one of the most difficult players to defend in this league. Well, you don't have your number one perimeter defender, Herb Jones, how do they contain him? How do they prevent him from opening up those three-point looks for his teammates? I don't. I think those are the big things to keep an eye on tonight. All right. Sounds good. That's Will Guillory of The Athletic. You can call him on Twitter. I believe it's at Will Guillory, correct? Pretty simple? Yes, sir. Keep it real simple. All right. Be on the lookout for his work uh, on theathletic.com and also his feature on Herb Jones as well. Will, I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. We miss you, Jimmy, on the road. Come on the road, Jimmy. We need you. Thanks, Will. I uh, I hope to see you sometimes in the future. <laughs> All right. Well, again, tonight, Pelicans and Mavericks, 7.30 p.m. Central. You can watch it on Valley Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans 
100.3 FM. That'll do it for today's podcast. We'll be back with you on Wednesday to preview the Pelicans and the Thunder from the Smoothie King Center. Until then, for Jim and Will, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.